Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Liberty listeners, welcome to the second half of my conversation with Sika Schmidt of Beat and Real. If you haven't already listened to the first interview with Sika, please do so. She's got some great information on how to take your passion and make it your platform. Okay, you guys, we're back with Sika and we're going to get a little bit more information. And this, we're trying something a little bit different. We are going to focus the next couple episodes on social media. So we're going to get Sika's wisdom and her advice and her tools and tips for how you can move your entrepreneurial venture forward. But we're also going to focus a little bit on social media and get some real meat on that so we can help you guys. We know that's a hot topic for many of you. So Sika, we know social media is no longer something brands can just opt in or out of. Um, It's a real mechanism for building community, for building relationships, for really connecting with that target consumer. What have you found uh, to be the best platform for your particular demographic? Um, Let's step back and talk about best because I think Mm. that's an interesting word. So I think with social media, a lot of times we get really fixated on the number of followers or the number of likes, and that's um, great. And that's definitely serves a purpose. It's really good for community building and relationship building. Um, And so that would definitely be Instagram for me. Um, However, if we were going to talk best as in what leads to the most sales, it's Facebook. Um, Even though I have a significantly smaller following and Mm -hmm. um, a significantly lower engagement, and they have an even more challenging algorithm to work with, um, So I guess it depends what your goals are. You know, if you really want to drive traffic and sales, um, that might be a different platform than the one that you're getting really high numbers on. So you just took us into the second question, (laughs) which was um, how many, first of all, how many platforms, platforms do you recommend that a brand focus on? Because there's so many. I mean, we know kind of the top four or five, but there's so many. How many do you focus on? I... I focus on three. In my okay. dream world, I would focus on four. So right now I do Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I, I dabble in Pinterest, but I really don't give it the time it needs. I wish I had that more time for that. Um, I think I recommend people do what they can do well. It's better to do you know one platform really well sure. than to do 10 that you're you know half-heartedly able to give your attention to. Um, and I think at least for me, I do, I run beat and reels, you know, social media, but I also do my own personal social media. And I also do the fair trade fashion shows. So by the end of the day, I'm like, there's Done. so many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm tired for you. Yeah. <laughs> so just choose a few that you can do well and that you enjoy doing. It shouldn't feel, you know, people pick up if, if you're kind of just like throwing stuff out there to post stuff, you know, sure. find, find a way you do enjoy. You, let me ask a question. Um, this is my own personal question, Yeah, but, um, do you forward things? Front, it sounds like Instagram is sort of your primary platform. 
will you forward things from Instagram to Twitter or is that cheating? Because I do that. You know, I know a lot of people who do that and I I don't think it's cheating. I don't. I feel like I actually have very different audiences. Mm -hmm. Um, So my Instagram and Facebook, I share the same stuff on those. So maybe that's cheating. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's very um, content driven in articles, in stories, in links that people can click on and read. It's less um, visual. That's more the Instagram piece for me. But I think, you know, from what I know, the studies have shown that if you share an Instagram photo onto, say, Facebook, I think it actually does better than it would have done if you just shared it directly on Facebook. Oh, interesting. Well, I knew um, that. That's why we do that now. Yeah. No, but I mean, I think if your audience enjoys it, do it. I just – part of me – my strategy is I, I want people to follow me on both and I worry, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, for instance, and I worry if they're seeing the same content on both, they're not going to feel incentivized. Sure. Um, or, or, or even, I mean, I have given this advice. I haven't taken it, but if you share, let's say ours is also Instagram, our sort of lead platform. And if we share that on Facebook and on Twitter, then go back to those platforms create more dialogue on Facebook because that platform invites that Mm -hmm. and then add some more links or more informational Mm -hmm. kind of tips or or newsworthy bits on um, Twitter because that audience Mm -hmm. appreciates that. So maybe starting with the same information, but then feeding them differently or addressing them slightly differently. It's like you go in and curate for the platform. I, I do a lot of that. Okay. That I will do. So if I have a new blog post, which I write one a week, um, you know, I will put it on Facebook with whatever, you know, big long caption I'm allowed to put. Yeah. It'll have something short for in, or for Twitter. And then on Instagram, I'll share a picture, you know, and talk about the thesis of the blog post. Okay. So you do, there's a lot of communication coming from you. So it's the, uh, in, in once a week, you're basically taking that and then you're dissecting it for all these platforms. How do you come up with, and this is a question we always hear, like how do you come up with that editorial calendar of what you're going to say and who you're going to highlight? And Or is it just like, oh, I'm in the mood for this? <laughs> I wish I had this like brilliant strategy I could yeah. share. Um, so for Facebook and Twitter, to be honest, I – um, I, I use an app called Buffer and I um, pre-feed articles that I come across mm-hmm. that I enjoy. So most of the stuff that I share on Instagram and – or sorry, on Facebook and Twitter is just stuff that I've come across and enjoyed and it's been pre-scheduled at whatever increment. And that's Buffer. That's Buffer. We'll, we'll have that in the show notes. Okay, yes. So it's a cool. great, very easy way to pre-schedule things. Um, and – and then on Instagram, a lot of times it is kind of just on a whim, like what I'm thinking about, what I'm, you know, noticing in conversations. Um, and then there there are always, there are sort of more topical things, you know, like I know once a week I will be sharing, you know, my blog post on those mm-hmm. or, uh, but I don't plan ahead as much as I wish I did as like, this is the week we're going to talk about this. Um, Why? We all do that. Like I have I such know. dreams of having this awesome editorial <laughs> calendar and I'm not sure. I mean, I can tell you, I have five excuses as to why it's not <laughs> happening, but I'm not really sure why it's not happening. Time is hard. Like we yeah. all have only so much time. Um, you know, I, I already feel like I spend so much time on social media having yeah. to put together an even more in-depth calendar. Like that, Sound, that would take even crazy. more time. And the other thing is, I could be wrong, but I feel like my audience 
you know, they seem to enjoy the stuff I'm posting. If I felt like it wasn't being received or I needed to have a very specific calendar of messages, mm -hmm. I would change it, but it doesn't seem to be broken. So I don't really want to fix it. Yeah. No, well, that makes sense. So in going on your website under the ethics section, mm -hmm. you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Oh my gosh. Do you know how many there Is are? Is it 15? 15? Yeah, maybe 15. So you have all of these categories. Would you call them categories? Sure. That you um, basically are telling us, the, our, your community, hey, here's some things to pay attention to when it comes to being a conscious consumer. Mm -hmm. Is that what you would say these, yeah. these things are? Okay. And what I love about them, and I think a lot of brands don't have this sort of thing. Now, they don't have to have a list of these ethical guidelines, but something that really articulates in a meaningful way what they do, what they're doing differently that their audience can sort of attach to. And as I look at this, I'm like, well, there's your editorial calendar. You've got these 15 categories that you can talk about and mm -hmm. inform us on and forward links. It doesn't have to be things that you've written. Sure. But, you know, um, vegan, yeah. perhaps. You know, you can talk about vegan clothing and you can talk about why that's important and what that does not only to the, you know, based on the clothing we're wearing, but what that does to the animal population. Mm -hmm. Do you ever use these um, to inform? You do. I do. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, I feel like at least where I'm at right now, I, I don't struggle a lot to come up with what to share because I feel like I do a lot of reading. So I'm always learning something interesting that I then want to talk about or share. Right. Um, but sometimes, you know, if I'm like, I don't know what to post today, um, I definitely go back and look at the ethics and say, oh, we haven't talked about this in a while, or maybe people don't fully understand what this word means, or, um, you know, let's talk about what the good and bad is of this, of trying to work this way. So I definitely come back to them. I mean, they're really embedded into, I'd say like the DNA of my company. Yeah. So everything I do comes back to them in the end. And I think that's why it seems like um, such a great thing for brands to do. Find out what those things are for mm -hmm. you, whatever service or product you're in, mm -hmm. and then figure out how to constantly communicate in your social media about those things, constantly draw people back in. I think sometimes we're like, well, the people who follow us already know this. And in fact, they don't, or they yeah. need to be reminded, or there are new people who are coming to the scene, or just because you think you know it doesn't yeah. mean that people who like what you're doing really understand kind of these core values or what it is you're trying to change or bring about in the world. Absolutely. I think that's sort of the key to marketing or social media is, you know, repeating things, you know, it's consistency, um, not repeating it in the same way, not getting sure. boring, but, um, you know, each of us has a story and an angle and we're just finding different ways of constantly sharing it. Um, and I think, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but it's like someone has to see something eight to 12 times mm -hmm. before they like really get it or want to get involved in it. So that means you have to talk about something eight to 12 times before you even get someone really hooked. Yeah. You know? Okay, but eight to 12 times times 15 topics. There's your social media <laughs> calendar. Done. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so you kind of have talked a little bit about how you are somewhat strategic in, in how you talk to this audience, knowing this eight to 10 time rule, understanding that people need to hear this information, that you're, you're sort of an expert, you're an authority, they're looking to you, what, what are you reading? What are you learning about? What would you say um, are some good strategic tools that brands should have and 
to what end? So for example, you talked about, look, if you really want to convert, if, if it's about sales, you might really want to look at Facebook. So how do you determine how much time to spend on a platform and what to do on that platform based on the results you want from your audience? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I personally kind of split my time between all of them because, um, I mean, of course I want website traffic and sales, you know, that supports my business. (laughs) Um, but I, I do also want sort of the community aspect. Those are as important to me as the other. So, I sort of split my time. However, if I was a business that was, you know, really struggling in one area or another, I might focus more on one versus mm-hmm. the next. I think um I think we're a little bit afraid of failure in our culture and I think we need to kind of get over it especially as entrepreneurs and just start playing with stuff like see what works, yeah. see what doesn't, see what people respond to. I think um I basically like I'm not a social media expert at all. I have no idea what I'm doing half the time. I just experiment a lot. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how do people respond to this? What does this work or does it not? And then you can form better strategies around it. I think maybe learning to be a bit more playful is actually the best strategy you could do with I social media. I think that's great advice. There was a, I posted on it a while ago and I haven't read the book, but I've read bits of it. And Questlove from The Roots mm-hmm. put out this um, book and it's um, Creative Quest, I think is the title. And one of the tenets is this idea of failing, f- being willing to fail so that you can get to your most creative self. Yeah. And I think it's true in what you're saying to do too as it's true in what you're saying as well in that um, if we give ourselves that freedom mm-hmm. and the freedom to take those risks, mm-hmm. there may actually be some rewards. And it, and if the reward is that you've learned that that's not a platform <laughs> you should be spending that much time in, that's really meaningful. It right? is. Over, versus spreading it over the course of a year and like there is incremental change. It's like, just go for it. And then you can sort of have a better sense of what your audience wants, what they don't want, um, how you engage with them. Uh, I, I think it's a, I think that's great advice just to be playful in that space and to, it's social after yeah, all. Yeah. Right. Have like fun that. with it. Um, a lot of people, I think uh, kind of building on that there, there is a fear around social media. It's mm-hmm. all about this very curated, um, almost like a portfolio mm-hmm. of, of who they are or who the brand is or who they want to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, maybe they aren't internally, so they're putting this out externally. Um, and then they, I think that inhibits how they engage in a meaningful way mm-hmm. with their audience. What's your advice, um, I think, kind of two bits. So first is what's your advice to just kind of make friends, um, on social media? And then is that advice different when it comes to really activating the followers that are already there? Yes. So I would say first, yes, they're very different. I think you need friends and you need followers and supporters and somebody can be both. Um, but they're not always both, and they're usually not. Um, I think social media is a great way to make friends. I've actually met so many people that I consider friends and that are now great colleagues of mine through social media. Um, But ultimately, my goal on social media 
isn't to make friends. My goal is to, you know, um, share something I'm very passionate about and hopefully empower people to um, learn to make different choices in their lives. So that's really more focused towards um, supporters and followers, you know, engaging them. Mm. Um, But I think if you're kind of just authentic and like I said, don't be afraid to say something dumb or look bad in a picture. Um, people respond well to that, whether they're a fan or a friend. And one of the issues I have with social media, and people get really mad at me for talking about this, but Ooh, there's a lot good. of um, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, interesting practices on social media. There's you know um, people buy followers, they buy likes. There's the pods where everybody agrees to like and comment on each other's photo if they'll do it in return. And to me, it all feels very inauthentic. Mm-hmm. And I've realized that I'm actually not at all interested in whatever my numbers are. I don't care how many people like a photo of mine. What I'm interested in is impact. And so I think the right people, when I when I don't focus on the number and I'm like, I'm going to post what I feel and what I think and something that I think needs to be said, um, maybe it doesn't get the most likes ever in the world. But I think people respond well to that over time. You know, um, focus on what you're actually trying to accomplish and don't focus on what's going to get me the most likes. Like I know if I post a picture of, you know, a vegan meal, it's going to get a billion likes, but that might not be the most important thing for me to say, you know? Sure. Don't go chasing the likes. I I like that. It's great wisdom. And one that is, can be a little bit hard for us when we feel like, oh, this is going to make all the difference. Or if I do these things, um, then I can use my platform for good. If I just Mm -hmm. do these things that maybe feel like cheating a little bit, Mm -hmm. at least I'll have more people that I can say it to. But if those people aren't really listening and if those really where, what is the impact? Yeah. Um, So I like that you, you've given us that particular word and, and, and made it distinct from just having a bunch of people that like you who, you know, who cares at the end of the day? Yeah. And I mean, it is, you know, it's nice to feel popular. It's nice to feel like you have friends online. Um, but I, I, and it, I'm not against people using whatever tools they need to do to build their audience. I mean, of course, if you have a bigger audience, people take you more seriously and that just mm-hmm. is what it is. So everybody's encouraged to do that, but it comes back to, you know, is that an audience that actually cares what you're saying? A lot of times, no, unless you really just take the time and are very slow and patient and build like a genuinely interested audience, which is not a fast thing. No, it's not a fast thing. And I think brands um, are getting savvy and consumers are getting savvy to that. And it Mm -hmm. it really is about engagement more Mm -hmm. than it is about just how many numbers does this person have, but what, who's responding to them? Mm -hmm. What is the response back? How, how is this relational? I think, Mm -hmm. again, we always forget that it's social Mm -hmm. um, and it is social. It's, it's by nature a way to tell stories. It's by nature a way to invite people to test and try and look and learn. Um, And I think if we use it for that, then, then it becomes its most meaningful um, it has the most impact. I'll just use your word. Um, okay. So you gave us one app, but I'm going to ask you for some other ones. So you're running three different platforms. You're, um, a busy entrepreneur living the life that your parents lived. What are the things that you're using that, and it could be pen and paper too. What are the things that you do that sort of make life a little bit more effective, efficient, um, some little cheating things that you might like, oh, I like this app or 
Give us the goods. Sure. Um, I feel like I'm probably not the most savvy. I like probably need to listen to your future people talking yeah. about this. <laughs> um, but I definitely, like I said, Buffer has been just a lifesaver when it comes to social media. I, I don't know how people find time to actually physically go and post it twice a day by themselves. Um, I love Slack, which is the mm-hmm. kind of group chat. I'm in a huge amount of you know, groups and projects that I'm working on. And it's just so great to kind of have everything consolidated in one place. Um, so Slack has been really wonderful for a lot of things that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I use Evernote a lot uh-huh. for, I love lists. I love checking things off lists. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes so, you make a list just to check things off lists. Yeah. I unfortunately Guilty. don't have, I have enough that yeah. I don't need to, oh, you don't need to do that. Okay, okay. So many lists. Um, but I love, you know, that they have the checkbox and you yeah. can like physically check it. So satisfying. <laughs> it's funny. I'm hearing less and less about Evernote. For a while, it seemed to be the go-to. And I think some other things, um, Slack, Asana, mm-hmm. people use them in funny ways. Like we use Asana for something very specific. And I was talking to somebody else who uses it in an entirely different way. And oh, I was wow. like, oh, you can do that. I didn't even know you could do that. Oh, amazing. So it's nice. It's nice to hear that. Anything that you do that's kind of analog, old school that you like to do to keep organized? Um, I'm not a very big pen and paper person, but only because I have the worst handwriting. Uh-huh. I mean, I can't even read what I'm writing. Okay, well then that's not helpful at all. So <laughs> um, never I, mind. I love I love a keyboard. Um, I don't I don't know something that's too old school. I mean, I, I rely on my phone a lot. I yeah. feel like I don't know how we, anyone did anything. You're not really anything. saying that a smartphone is old school, are you? I mean, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll, I'll let you off. The okay, hook. nothing okay. that old school. <laughs> okay. I well, I use a lot of like Excel spreadsheets for okay. things. There you go. There we go. Here's, that's legit. I old have school. so many spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. Yeah, <laughs> spreadsheets. Are, I don't know if I love them, but they are good. <laughs> I use them a lot. So. I want to ask you this question about, I mean, statistically, women are outpacing men in launching businesses. It's a two to one kind of number. I mean, it's a really meaningful number, but they're also failing at record pace. And some of that is by choice. And I think we need to acknowledge that they're, they tried something for a particular season and maybe there was some success and they want to move out of that season, especially as motherhood and other choices have, have been choices that they've decided to make. Mm -hmm. Um, any thoughts on kind of what you think women need in terms of support in in uh, launching and growing their own entrepreneurial venture that can help us change that statistic? Oh, yes. That's a great question. Um, well, so what I think women entrepreneurs need is the support of women. And I, um, I don't want to put the onus on women that we have mm-hmm. to like make other women's businesses succeed, but we kind of, we kind of do. Um, so 80% of purchasing power in the U S is in the hands of women because Mm -hmm. women control most household finances. Um, women tend to do more shopping. Um, so really, I mean, ultimately if women's businesses are failing, it's because other women are not supporting them. Like men literally never have to shop and we could still make every female owned business succeed. Um, and that's a little bit sad and frustrating, but also very exciting and empowering because you say, Hey, okay, we have power. We can fix this problem. Um, women invest up to 90% of the money that they make back into their families and communities, as opposed to men who invest 30 to 40%. So not only, um, is supporting women really essential kind of for creating a better world? Because when you go and support a woman-owned business, you know that statistically the money is going back into families and communities. Um, 
I just feel like women need to think harder about where they're shopping. You know, I I never really thought about it before. I was an entrepreneur myself, to be honest. And before I became really into sort of the women's rights piece of purchasing power. Mm -hmm. So I didn't used to think about it. Now, almost everything I buy is from a woman-owned business. And I put more time into it and maybe I spend more money doing it. But it's really important to me. It's really, really important to me. And I wish more women would think about that and, and, you know, just call a company and say, who, who owns this company? And then if it's a woman, go support them. And if it's not call three more until you find a woman owned version. I love that. Um, you came at it from, um, you, you came at answering the question from, a how do we not as entrepreneurs just support other entrepreneurs and help them with their business endeavor, but how do we just help them sustain um, and grow that business as consumers? Mm -hmm. So I love that you spun that a little bit, um, not intentionally, but just from, from what I think I often get an answer to, which is, yes, we need to support them in starting those businesses and create more programming or um, education for that. But you're just talking about just it's, it's in our purchasing power that we can really make that that big difference. Well, we, not everybody is an entrepreneur, but pretty much every woman in America is purchasing something yeah. for the most part. So like we all can participate in sure. it. You know? I love that. Thank you. Um, okay. So before we let you go and totally off the hook, we have our fun little uh, last part of our, our um, interview that we do. And it's called our quick six. So I'm going to ask you six questions and just whatever comes to mind. Sure. Give us your answer. So do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Flex schedule, absolutely. Even though it usually means it's like flexible with a twelve-hour workday, <laughs> exactly. but it's flexible. I know. I think that's a, that's a good distinction that I should make more often because often people are like, "Oh, flex." So you have like five, you know, a five-hour workday. No, that's not what that means. Um, do you prefer vacationing in the mountains or the beach? Well, I actually just moved, and I'm at the beach and the mountains, and it's the most magical place. And I don't want to choose; I want both. Oh my. <laughs> You're still in Southern California. No, I just moved to the Pacific Northwest. You did? I did. How did we get you here? Um, I'm here for my fashion show next week. Oh, my gosh. That's all. Congratulations <laughs> on the move. Portland, Seattle, which... Um, about two hours outside Seattle. Oh, that's yes, very exciting. Yes, but we mountains and beach, and I can't pick. I want both. Oh, that's great. Well, it sounds like you found it. I was like, where is this in Southern California? I want to be there. Um, and then do you prefer working from home or an office? home. I know that you're always told that you should like, you know, like have a routine and get dressed and put your makeup on and make it like a business. But I get my best work done like in bed in my pajamas, yeah. you know, at 1 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I think there's probably a lot of people that would agree with you. Um, and then do you like working alone or with a team? You probably get the ability to do both. Um, I do get the ability to do both. As an introvert, I like working alone. But as somebody who wants to make a bigger impact in the world, I know it has to be done as a team. And do you see the team mainly activated in the fashion show side or both? Uh, all, across all? all boards. Everything I do has other people involved. That's awesome. And then I say it's the hardest question, Thai or Mexican food? That is such a hard question. Well, I recently gave up onion and garlic as part of my <gasps> yoga practice. It's a long story. So um, what? Mexican food is almost impossible to eat now, especially because I'm already vegan. Yeah. yeah. So Thai food, <laughs> because it's a little bit easier to Yeah, to pick through. To There's a new Mexican restaurant that's opening over off of, I think it's Mateo, and oh. they do um, a sweet potato taco. <gasps> 
Oh, and I love Mexican food. So I'll get I'll I'll get you the name for next time you're in town because they're they're not open yet. So oh, sounds amazing. Um Okay. So our podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Our brand is Liberty. And we really believe that entrepreneurship is a vehicle to liberate women, to do what they feel called to do, to do what they um, are passionate about. In your case, that's very obvious. What do you think it means to be liberated? Um, I, I think I go back to sort of the very old idea of... Um, freedom from suffering, um, which has nothing to do with entrepreneurship, but I think, um, entrepreneurship can be a vehicle to that. Mm. Um, I really think that, um, I, I've gotten deep into like yoga and Buddhist theories and things mm -hmm. lately. So this is sort of my direction I'm going today, yeah. but if you ask me in two weeks, it could be different. Okay. Um, but I, I think sort of a lot of our deep issues in the world, they kind of come down to reactions to suffering. Like we're kind of stuck in this cycle of people are hurt, so they're hurting people. And that if we do our deep inner work to um, try to liberate ourselves and heal ourselves from that, that it actually um, ripples out and helps other people by us not continuing to perpetuate the cycle. I think that has to do with entrepreneurship, life, relationships, everything. Thank you for that. That's I don't think we've heard that. Oh, we haven't really? heard that answer. Yeah. I mean, as you started, I was like, okay, I think I know where she's going. And then I was like, no, I don't think we've heard anything <laughs> like that. So thank you for that. Thank you for this time. Oh, thank I'm you so, so much. I'm so glad we got you, especially knowing that you've left Los Angeles. <laughs> um, and good luck with the fashion show. And we will have, when is the fashion show? Um, so the fair trade fashion show, which you were part of yeah. will be later this fall. Um, I'm actually doing a totally different fashion show this week. Okay. Um, it's a vegan fashion show as part of uh, the big eat, drink, vegan seed food and wine festival week. Okay. So different do you, emphasis. Do you have dates for your fashion show in the fall? No, but I'll let you know as soon okay. as I do. Let it's going to be really we'll, exciting yeah, this year. Let us know and, and we'll be happy to, to shout that out. Thanks again, Sika, for coming. Thank you. Great to be with you. So great to be with you. And thank you for the opportunity. I was really honored to be asked to be on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Liberty listeners, you've, you've been told to go out and be better. So um, until next week, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. 